0: John chapter 13, say, God is good. Boy, aren't you glad you live in America. Amen. As much as I love Israel, it was nice to go and nice to leave. Amen. But pray for them. Amen. Pray for the rest of the world. John chapter 13, tonight's sermon is called The Servant. Wow. We often refer to ourselves as sons. Is that always the case? Actually, no, it's not. I want to read a, I to read a, a story here that, that um, Jesus and his disciples before we went to the cross. 13.1, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come that he would depart from the world, um, that he would depart from the world and be with the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The supper being ended, the devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel in which He was girded. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said, Well, I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you'll know after this. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only wash his feet, but he's completely clean You're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, referring to Judas. You are not all clean. And when he had washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down again. And he said, Do you know what I just did to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for yes, I am. If I am your Lord and your teacher, and I have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, I've been in churches where they had feet washing, and I don't like it. It's weird. Because we don't live in a desert area where I wear sandals and I come walking in your house with my feet dirty. But it's just a wee, it, I don't care how spiritual you're supposed to be. I was glad when they came and when they got done and I washed my feet and they went on. You know, and, and I actually... The only thing I hate more than that is knocking on doors and witnessing. There are some traditions in churches that just don't make sense. But this is one we don't practice. Thank you, Jesus. We don't handle snakes. We don't wash feet. I don't want to wash your feet. Good Lord, have mercy. We pull your socks off, people will be falling out in the power everywhere. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But, but Jesus here is making a point. Now let's, let's, let's think about what they've been through for three years now. They've been with the man that they now know is the Messiah and they know he's God incarnate. The world we live in today has a an, an hierarchy that there are people above us and there are people below us, and we know that and we understand that. But Jesus comes along and says, now you understand I am Lord and I am your teacher and I am your master. And they said, yes, sir. He said, sit down, I'm going to wash your feet. And they're going, no, that's the, that's the job of the lowest person in the house. That is why they buy slaves, and the worst slave of all is the one that when you come walking in off the road, they sit and wash your feet for you. And that's the job of someone lower than the, than the um, uh, garbage collector in your town. And Jesus just did it. And that's why Peter bucked it. He went, you're not washing my No, no, you're, you're, you're my master. You don't wash my feet. You're the head of this house. You don't wash my feet. But when Jesus did it, I mean, Peter's probably still sitting there thinking, what's giving? But he's setting a standard that if I am God, don't ever get above me. And he placed a standard on the church. Now, when he, we're going to talk about loving one another in a minute. But that is an odd thing for an American to hear. Love one another. Because we all would say, well, I do love people. I love everybody. I mean, I love all of y'all. I love all of y'all. Washing feet and I love you is not exactly the same thing. One of them is being a servant. One of them is the mindset that I have when I walk in here and my attitude needs to be, what can I do for you tonight, God? then my mindset has to change because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And he didn't want to leave his church with this worldly hierarchy. If you don't watch it, we'll get into it. Now, I want to read a couple more scriptures. It says in 1534, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I love you. How did he do that? Well, he laid his life down. That's, to an American, that's, that's my, you might as well be cussing. Because I'm pretty busy. Amen. We'll talk about that maybe. By this, all that will, will know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. We are a communal, people are Communal. One of the things that makes hell, hell, is you'll never interact forever with another human being. One of the things that makes heaven, heaven, is that you get to spend eternity with family and friends. That's what makes Christmas, Christmas. It, it, it's, yeah, I like the food too. The, but it's, it's odd to go to a restaurant alone. And just sit there and say, well, what would you like? Well, I'd like to have a steak, and, and you're sitting there. You know. Then you pick up your phone so you look like you're doing something. It's bad when there's two people there, and they're both on the phone. That's it. That's weirder, too. But people really are made to hang out, to be together, to help one another, to love one another, to care about one another. And a church should be that way. Church is more than the, the group, the, our group. His church is the church in the city. That that means there's a lot of Christians that don't go to this church. I'm sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. I've even told some of the pastors, you know, I said, how does it feel being the second best pastor in town? They don't appreciate it. They don't, they don't, they, they don't, I can't seem to get any agreement out of them. They don't, they don't smile or nothing. They just, don't. never mind. I, there was some people from your church one day, and I walked, I said that to them, and they just, I just, well, you know, you, the Bible says you'll know the truth and truth will make you mad. But anyway, nothing I can do about that. Anyway, so when we talk about loving one another, you know, it, we, we talk about caring about each other and, and all that. But there is a side of love. I want to talk about a specific side of loving people tonight, just one side of it. And I'm going to, I want to inspire you to do something this holiday season and beyond. You ready? Look at Matthew 5, 1 and 2. Matthew 5, 1 and 2. Seeing the multitude, he went on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and did what? Is he loving them? He is. One of the most loving things you'll ever do for another human being is to sit and help them with their walk with God and their life. I don't, I'm not talking about cramming Jesus down their throat. I'm talking about when you and I are around people, and we're outside, even outside of our own walls. I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but I definitely have. I'm, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about going to Tennessee and our time up there with Lisa's family. And um, there's, let me see, I think there's another story too. But anyway, when we were up there, um, we had Thanksgiving over at Lisa's brother's, David's house. And then the next night we had it at David's son's, Micah's house. And that was actually fun because he has one of those pits in the backyard you throw wood in and people sit around. And it, the temperature went down. You're in flannel shirts, you're sitting around a fire. I I like that kind of stuff. Just... You're in a big pasture with probably two or three, four hundred acres of just woods and pastures and hills and stuff around you. And, and people are outside just laughing and, and eating s'mores and drinking hot chocolate and all kinds of stuff. It's just fun. Well, you get to sit with people that you would normally never sit with. Families do that, that and it creates a comfortable environment. To talk to people who might never sit and talk to you. So I'm sitting next to this young lady. It's one of her brother's son's girlfriends, which they're contemplating being married. And I found out later she just got born again. And uh, she was a newbie, and um, she's from Montana. And we got to talk about horses and cougar hunting and all kind of stuff, and I got to meet her mother. Her mother was a complete hoot if you 've never met a Montana woman they 're tougher than nails. they have to be to live you know just you, you don 't live up there in that environment without but she told stories about riding off and and, and and coming up on mountain lions and all kind of stuff. It was just kind of fun just to sit and chat with people well we 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 got to talk about Jesus, and it's amazing that how much you can sit and talk to people and find out where they are. So this young lady, this one particular young lady that I was talking to, and I just met her. I walked up and just said hello. My name is Daryl Morgan. I am uh, Lisa Morgan, which is Micah's dad's. I'm trying to make a connection here, so she'll know who this guy is. It's Sit down, and um, she said, "Hello, how are you doing?" And I said, "You know, so we're just talking, and um, we, we, and somehow or another, we got off on my book because she has a child." She said, "I would love to have a copy of that book." And Justin walked up and bought her one on her phone, and then I said, "You want to hear a story?" And she said, "Yes." And just sitting there, I'm able to sit and talk to her and tell her one of the stories. And I see her as begin to weep. And I begin to realize that she either didn't know the Lord, or she had, you know, later Lisa told me she'd been saved like a week ago. But to tell her the story of how much God loved her. And just to sit and to share with her for 30 minutes of that that ministered to me as much as it did her because she you know, and I told Lisa when I walked away, I said, I would give anything to spend three days with her and a Bible. Just pour into this girl. And you know, I walked away not knowing, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm sending her some of my books and some stuff, but just, I'm thinking to myself, Heavenly Father, just get her in a good church, get her someplace, get her friends, get her... You know, she's got to grow in God. And I'd heard that she'd had like a, you know, after she got born again, there was kind of like a bump in the road and I won't go into all that. Because, you know, there is a devil. And uh, I just walked away that night just praying over her. And um, after that, um, let me see there. I think there was a, another young lady in town that we went to visit. And we, we visited with her last time. And we found out she had been ostracized from the Christian community. Now, y- y'all, may, how many of y'all have ever watched the cowboy movies where they always have, it's either the Amish or the Mennonites or the, I don't know what they are. I don't know. They wear the funny hats. They all ladies wear long dresses. And they go to a church and, and the and the Christians are just mean. I think they always try to make the Christians mean. but But the truth is, they're out there and they're mean. And, and Lisa and I found this girl. We asked her, well, Are you going to be able to come to Thanksgiving? And she goes, I don't think so. Now, not me. Uh, I'm, I'm too wild. And I wanted more than anything in the world to wrap my arms around her and just hold her. Because she had, she had prayed, got right with God. But the community had not. And you can't live like that. You can't. She needs acceptance. She needs love. She needs that stuff. She needs the word. So we took her. I took her some books. She wasn't there. And I said, please make sure that so-and-so gets these books when she comes in to work tomorrow. I gave her a big stack of books. I said, just tell her to read them. They're just books on, you know, Andrew Walmax, and you've already got it, and just books. You know, y'all, y'all listening, y'all understand. Just, just get this girl free from religion and let her know that God loves her. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, let me tell you one more story. The other night, I got to sit down at, um, we went to Steve Stapleton, no, Cody Stapleton's house during Thanksgiving, and Steve's sister was there, her, and, and Steve Stapleton's brother. And she looks at me and says, I got a friend, she's not saved, how do you pray for people who are not saved? And I, I, I just... I just love that kind of stuff. I just said, well, let me help you. Because when we're done, she's going to come to Jesus. And I, and I talked to her for a while. And, I, and I, began to, I began to talk to her about foundational stuff. Now, what I'm trying to show you is this. Then her brother came along. and He's over there talking. And the next thing you know, we got a three-way conversation going. And I had a great... Thanksgiving, not because I got to eat a lot, that was good. Lisa's sweet potato souffle, y'all don't ever get any of it, it's terrible. I want to take it all home. Anyway, you know, it's fantastic. But anyway, um, just sitting with people that you know they don't know. God loves people. God loves people. And and there really is not a lot of truth going out. The, the, I'm not, there just isn't. A, so anyway, I got to talk to her. We got off on healing and she looked at me and she said, You have buried me. I went, okay, I'm sorry. You know, you, you can you can take a person so far, but you can't un, you can't feed people with a fire hydrant. And I had one going too, man. I'm a lady, hoping to, you know, and she's like, "Whoa, that I, I can't I don't understand half of what you just said." I said, "Okay, okay, but 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 understand this, sweet lady, sweet man, hungry for God. I I believe that is a part." Of washing feet. Because it says right there, Jesus, he said, Love as I did. Well, we gotta ask, one of the ways he loved people, he never cooked potluck for anybody. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. There's a lot of things we do we call love. He never did any of that stuff. But one of the primary things he did was to sit and minister the Word of God. You, every one of you in this room have forgotten more Bible than most people have ever heard in their life. We live in a society today that's void of knowledge. So while I was up there, I got to sit with another young man who was crying about how bad the Palestinians were being treated. And I went, have a seat. And the good news is, is Jordan got on the other side of him, and he picked up where I left off. And by, t- by the time we left, he was pro-Jewish. But you know, I, to me, I walk out of this church, and, and I go, God, they all need to be in here. They really, really do. I Had a lady came in one day, and I'm not bragging on me, but I am bragging on the Word. And, and she called me, and she said, Pastor Morgan, I want to have a talk with you. I went, okay. You never know what that's going to mean. So when people invite you over to dinner, sometimes it's the last supper. You know. But anyway, she pulls me off, and she said, do you know who you are? And I went, yeah, I'm the pastor. She said, do you have any idea who you are? I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm Daryl Morgan. I'm the pastor. She said, I've been in church all of my life. My dad was a pastor. She said, I grew up. She named ministries. I said, oh, that's good. She said, I've learned more Bible in 12 months in this church than I've learned in my entire life. I said, I needed to hear that. That encouraged me that we're doing something right. And, and, um, and that's one of the things that I just want people to know is I, wanna, I want you to know truth. I want you to walk out and go, God, we got fed. That set me free. Not in bondage anymore, you know. So I'm going to read another, another one to you. John 8, 31. I'm just going to pop them on the screen. John eight thirty one. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if, you're, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You, they're, the greatest thing you'll ever do for anybody is to hand them truth. Now, we're going to read some stuff in a minute, because I want you to start thinking a lot more foundation when you're outside the walls of this church, because the foundations, basic Bible foundation is not out there. it's It's not. When you're around people who are earning their way to Jesus, and they're miserable, because they haven't l- l- done everything right in order to be accepted have no clue of the blood and 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 you 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 weep because you sit there and you give them and all you can do is give them one or two scriptures and make them think a while hoping that when you come back they'll ask you for one more scripture you wish they would just Open up and receive the word. Let's look at another one, Hebrews 5, 12. Again, we're talking about walking in love. Are you ready? Though so by this time you ought to be teachers. He isn't talking about the five-fold ministry. God calls a man or a woman into apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's you're not less if he didn't call you into the fivefold. But the fivefold is, and they are, hand picked. And if you ain't, you ain't. Don't walk in and ask me for the pulpit. You won't get it. Because it's not your office. And I don't have I don't have the right to give it to you because it's not mine to give away. It's his. But yet, at the same time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate on this for a minute. If you're not helping people around you, why would anybody in their right mind give you a pulpit? I had a young man came to me one day and he said, "I believe I'm supposed to go into the military and to and to preach the Bible in the military." I think I think he's trying to just get out of his marriage. Never mind. And I looked at him and I said, "How many people are you ministering to now?" He said, "None." I said, "You, you, know, what makes you think you're going to change because you go into the mill? If you can't do it, if you're not doing it now, if a rooster's not crowing, he's not a rooster. Preachers preach, period. I mean, I mean, when, when, you know, I mean, I'm, I've had people and they ask me." Where Disney was, I said, well, yeah, hey, you got to go down here and take a ride. You hit the iPhone. Hey, you hang a ride. You go down there on the end of seventy, And then you turn around. This. Well, I didn't ask for a sermon. Because everything became a sermon. You ask me anything, it's a sermon, you know. So uh, Lisa goes, don't ask him if you don't want a sermon. So anyway, but, but if you're not called, don't try to place yourself in that. But he is not talking about a, a, a pulpit. He said, by now, and he's talking to Christians, you ought to be able to teach another person the foundations of the Bible. If you're not there, don't get in condemnation, but I am going to ask you to do something tonight. Make up your mind before January 1st hits that you can take a person through the foundations of being born again. Don't look at them and say, come to church with me. Church is scary to a sinner. That's like, that's like asking a criminal to go to the police station with you. Want to run down to the police station with me? No, I'll just wait outside. Stay as far away from that place as I can. i, I got to tell you another story. One night my mom and I were out partying and we had been drinking pretty heavy. And I saw a building with lights on, and I pulled in. I said, Mom, I got to go in there and go to the bathroom. She said, No, don't go in there. I said, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. She said, No, don't go in there. I said, Why? She goes, It's a police station. I went, Oh, shoot. You don't want to walk drunk into a police station. You oh, know, that's not a really bad place to go st- stack. I oh, like to, the- Oh, where's your bathroom? Yeah, come on in here, clink. All right, never mind. I found another place. Let's look at another one. I, don't want to, I want to stay here for a minute. By now you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you've come need of milk and not solid food. I, it's, I try so hard to make sure that the people that walk in that are baby Christians are getting the milk of the Word. But then I have to kind of sh- make a shift and have the ones of you that have been here since Adam and Eve in the garden. And give you something a little bit more than pablum. Amen. Because we, you, you, you ought to be way past a bottle and a pacifier by now. And tonight's one of those nights. I mean, we're coming off of, you know, this isn't milk. I'm not preaching milk tonight. This is not a bottle tonight. This is... This is a spoonful of green peas and, and some chewable food. Amen. So by now you have someone teach you again the first principles and you have come to need of solid food. Go to verse 13 if you can. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness and he's a baby. Now let me, let me, let me clarify that. I mean, if you're not sharing your faith, I don't care how long you've been born again, you are a baby. You might be a 40-year-old baby or an 80-year-old, but you're a baby Christian. And that is sad. Back one thing that when Lisa and I do to go up to Tennessee, that they got right. Mama doesn't do everything. There's a girl that folds clothes, and there's one, that, there's, there's one of the boys and the girls that does all the dishes, and there's two girls that do all the cooking, and there's, there's kids that take care of the babies. Mom and daddy don't do everything around the house or the farm, and they shouldn't in a church. Now, while we're on the subject, i got to watch it. There's not a scripture in the Bible that says the pastor does all hospital visits. Now, I'm not saying that the pastor shouldn't care about you. He should. But that's why churches stay small. Because there's only so many babies he can feed, and then the church stops growing because nobody else ever picks up and says, why don't you let me go to the hospital and pray for these people? There's no reason for the pastors in this church to do everything. It's okay when the church first gets started. But there ought to be people that have learned there's more foot washers in here than me and Lisa and Justin and Megan. And now we've got Chloe, so we've got a couple more feet washers. Why don't we just have like a hundred feet washers? I'll tell you one of the things that helped me more than y'all ever dreamed. When Teresa started picking up 99% of the counseling, two reasons. You don't stay long when you know I know you. (laughs) He's preaching about me again. I shouldn't have told him that. And and I don't want her telling me nothing about you. you. tell me all about, I don't care. Not that I don't care, but I don't care. And I don't care that you don't care, that I don't care. I just don't care. It's better if I don't know. And anyway, you listen to her better than you do me anyway. You know, women can train a parrot and a man can't. You walk up and say, "Polly want a cracker. And he goes, I ain't talking. Not with you, you old gruff thing. And the woman goes, "Polly want a cracker. And he goes, "Polly want a cracker. That's why God gives the women to teach kids how to talk. Oh, never mind. That went over like a lead balloon. 2 Timothy 2, 1. Let's look at it. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There really ought to be by now a good dozen, two dozen people in this church. Easy two dozen people. That ought to be able to take someone up and just school them in the Word of God. Say amen again. One of the greatest things you'll ever do for a person, just sit them down and go, let me talk. When Megan was in the hospital, and I, I can't do this with everybody. I, I wished I could, but I can't. I was able to go in there and just sit and I, and I read... Uh, Trina's book and then I read who else's book Lisa Kenyon's Brother Hagin's and I prayed with her for a while and then we sang and then I read to her another 30-45 minutes and then we prayed I was in there three or four hours with her when I walked in she was depressed when I left she was worshipping God but she needed someone in that hospital to just love on her and feed her the Word of God. Now, I have a wife that when I'm going through stuff, she'll sit down and just pray for me and read the Word to me, and we'll do it back. And forth. But not everybody has that. And and I kind of wish that the church would, would understand this. It might be time for you to pick up. I haven't seen Brother so-and-so a while. Let me go find him and open up. Let's just spend some time with him. And don't let the devil have him, and, and let's see if we can... Minister to, to him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Commit these to faithful men who can teach others also. John G. Lake said that in the town that he was in, I guess it was either Oregon or Washington, they called it the healthiest city in America. And he had teams of Christians and he would tell them, don't come back until they're healed. And he would t- train them to go to the homes and minister to people. And they had thousands of people healed by the power of God. Sometimes it happened an hour. Sometimes it happened in a day. Sometimes it'd take two, to three weeks to get someone healed. But they'd stay with it until they got them well. Amen. I'm just trying to plant a vision in you right now. Get us out beyond just thinking about the holidays and ourselves. Amen. Second Timothy two one. I think that's where we are. Yeah. Go to go to go to three. Therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus made the statement, he said talking about washing feet. Taking care of someone else, it is very unselfish. I just want to read something to you out of Jesse DePlantis' book. Um, if you haven't ever read this book, you ought to. This is, his, this, is his, this is the story of when he left his body and God took him to heaven. If you've never read this book, you ought to. It's it's fabulous book. But in the middle of it, he says, I felt weaker. He's in the throne room of God now. He's on chapter 9. As I approached the throne room, it looked like millions of people were there. Looking around, I saw 24 seats near the throne. I said, I've read the scriptures where there's 24 elders. There's their seats, but where are they? Now David, King David, is showing him around heaven. Jesse, we're servants here. David told me earlier, they're in the city. They're in paradise. They're out helping people. We help people here, Jesse. Everyone here serves. Everyone. The elders don't sit in a chair all day. They're out helping people in the city. When someone comes in and they just get, they step off the train from, they just died. Someone's there to help them out. He said, all of us are servants. And I got to thinking, why not? Why would that be so odd to find out that people in heaven are actually, and he makes a statement. He said, everyone here that approaches you will ask you this question. Is there anything I can do for you? That's quite a statement. That would scare people because we'd be afraid they'd say yes. I want to talk about foundational, foundational Christianity now. I want to talk about what people don't know. Everywhere I go, I'm finding people that are, that are messed up. And I know you're going to ask, you, you, we have this idea that you're supposed to pray some special prayer for them to help them. I want you to get that out of your mind. The prayer is the least important thing you do for another person. What they lack is knowledge. What they lack is basic grace and redemption. Most people do not understand the basic gospel. Two weeks ago, I was in here and we talked about that. I showed you the video of that guy. He said, two and a half percent of people go to heaven. Two and a half percent. I'm not real high. So I want to read here, and I'm going to read out of Dr. T.L. Osborne's book. He said, in, he said in, in, this, in this section, I'm going to show you how God's righteousness replaces human guilt and restores dignity. The result of that is peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When our Savior was born, angels pronounced peace and goodwill toward people. The mission of our Lord to the world was to bring peace. This section emphasizes why people need this peace, how God identifies Himself as the God of peace, and by one of His redemptive names, why His peace can be embraced now. Peace and harmony are part of God's nature. He created men and women to share his, this rich life of love and gentleness, Sin entered the human race, and the evil seed produced violence, unrest, rebellion, fear, hatred, and death. That's in the earth. That's in the earth everywhere. God announces, behold, I give my covenant of peace. Paul says of Christ, he is my peace. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. The Bible meaning of peace is Hebrew and Greek is to be well, happy, healthy, prosperous, restful, safe, whole, secure, quiet, and set at one with God. The Bible calls the, the message we preach the gospel of peace. In Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace, having abolished in his flesh the enmity between God and people, so making peace that he might reconcile both to God by the cross. When's the last time you looked at someone that, was, that, that said, my life is just hell on earth and I don't have any peace, and just read a scripture that says, did you know that the war between you and God is over? Do you understand that it's not a matter of you working it out? It's really no more than just a matter of you acknowledging that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you can right now sitting here have peace with God. We're we're not talking about long, lengthy sermons. We're talking about a conversation over sweet potatoes, baked potatoes, and ham. And read a scripture to a person and, and have them look at you and go, No, I didn't know that. It's not being preached anywhere hardly. All you need to have peace with God is a Bible and two minutes. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or how bad you've lived. God has already dealt with that, and he took all of your sin and poured it on Jesus, and took all of Jesus' righteousness and poured it on you. Do you know how many people have actually ever heard a statement like what I just made? Not many. One of the things when I worked construction, when you work construction, people are are rough. They're just rough. And to look at someone you're sitting across from that you don't know what in the world they're doing. And to look at them and say, do you understand that you're not going to hell because of all your sin? What am I going to hell for? What am I going to hell for, Morgan? Rejecting Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I said, let's pray. Right here, bro. I said, if you're ashamed of him right here, you will never. You know how many of those guys finally came back to me and went, pray with me. Pray with me. I want peace. I'm tired of my life. And what would it have been like if I'd have never sat down and just, listen, you have to love someone enough to see how they will be when God's done with them, not how they are right now in their sin. Jesus loved loved people as I loved them. He loved them in their sin. Come on, y'all. I'm preaching pretty good. I like something T.L. Osmond said, you say you believe in God, big deal. He believes in you. That's a big deal. deal. God believes in us. Let me finish this. Let me finish this. Glory to God in the highest. This is the angels. On earth, peace goodwill to all people. Let me see. I think I missed something. I missed something. I did. Unless you have been born again and embraced the righteousness of God by faith, the harmony between people and God that has been disrupted in the Garden of Eden cannot be experienced. Human nature is like a troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt, for there is no peace, says God, to the wicked. When a person doesn't know Jesus, they don't have any peace. Now, you're not there to show them how bad they are. They know how bad they are. Husband, women, stop telling your husbands the dumb things they do. They already know the dumb things they do. Have I told you today how many bad things? You did? Yes, dear. All 27 of them before we got out of bed. But it's bad when we seem to be the Holy Ghost the police department wanting to run around telling everybody. I know a man who was very strong, legalistic until his son fell into adultery. And he stopped believing so strongly in the judgment of God. And he started believing in the mercy of God. Any idiot can point out your faults. But he needed mercy. People may seek to alleviate fear and insecurities, by education, philosophy, religion, pleasures, entertainment, sensuality. But without communion with God, there's never going to be peace and the church will never end. Wars, family discord, community violence, insane acts of br- brutality. It sound like Hamas, right? Hatred, abuse, murder are all due to a lack of peace with God in the human heart. Disease, distention, emotional conflict. Bitterness, shame, physical deterioration and suffering are rooted in your lack of peace with God. The lack of peace make you sick. You're creating it in your own body. So how do you fix it? Y'all are quiet. Once peace is born in the human heart, It is the most powerful force for healing and harmony and love and kindness and success and achievement there is in this earth. Nothing will change you faster than you having peace with God. Go to Romans 4. See if I can find it in here. This is one of those scriptures... I want you to learn in your Bible. I want you to be able to go to this and to read it to people because you're going to be, how many people need to be able to know what I'm fixing to read? He was delivered because of our offense and raised because of justification. Let me say it another way. He died in your place, but God raised him after God declared you not not guilty. All sin poured on Jesus, and God doesn't know you have any. You're sitting here right now as though you had never done anything wrong in the eyes of God, because God cannot punish sin twice. That's good news. Look at a person with no peace and say, and then read 5 1. Pop 5 1 up there on the screen. That's okay. Therefore, having been made righteous by faith, say, I'm righteous because of my faith in Jesus, and I have peace with God. Now I want you to imagine what it's like to be sitting at a table with somebody and read that to them and go now let's pray and watch the power of God hit a human being and step out of hell on earth into peace that fast. For the simple reason nobody ever read that scripture to them. Nobody ever told them that Jesus did it all. You know, the girl we were talking about a while ago in Tennessee, it's not okay that she was a rebellious, wild teenager. It's not okay. When the woman caught in adultery, it wasn't because it was okay. But if Jesus is going to send someone to hell for sinning, we're all leaving There ain't anybody righteous. I mean, he can't, he can't come down and start picking and choosing. I mean, everybody he's around is a heathen. Not too far from being true right now. All right, let me show another one. That Listen, everywhere you and I go, we're, we run into this all the time. Almost everybody we meet I'm going to finish this part of the sermon next, this coming Sunday morning. But now listen to this. People's guilt and unworthiness before God causes them to feel inadequate, to pray and unworthy to receive answers. That's almost every Christian you'll ever meet. Pastor pray for me. You know what they just told you? God loves you way more than He does me. I have good news for you. He loves you as much as he does Jesus Christ. And you're as righteous as Kenneth Copeland. Oh no, 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 not no, I'm not. You are if he gave you his righteousness as a gift. Sin consciousness destroys faith. I think we make a mistake trying to get people healed who don't believe God loves them. You need a revelation of the love of God. Now you think about what He paid for you. You think about the the price that He paid for you to be born again. And He went to the cross in your place. That is an enormous amount of love. You can actually look in the mirror and go, I am God's favorite. I am someone to God. And you should. It would do you a world of good to talk like that. Sin consciousness destroys faith. In the Bible, in others, in most of all in yourself. This sense of inadequacy discourages initiative. It engenders an inferiority complex one becomes snared by negativism and lives with a sense of condemnation in fear of God, searching for someone to pray for them because their own sense of indignity and in, ig, n, Melanie, I-G-N-O-M-I-N-Y. Ign- that's what she said ignominy TL, you're going to have to quit it. In their vain search to find peace people try church attendance, benevolence, penance, praying, fasting, confessing good works, abstinence from pleasures, bad habits, self-denial, pilgrimage, flagellation, and other forms of self-inflicted punishment. Almost every time I go to the hospital to pray for someone, they look at me and go, I'm working to get my faith up, Pastor. And I want to go, stop. Stop all working. Trust Jesus' work. That's all, that's all you had to do to get born again. But there's such a, I haven't prayed enough, I haven't lived like I, I haven't witnessed enough, I haven't done enough, I... I'm not enough, and I don't do enough, and I'm no good. And it, it's just like the devil just beats people to pieces, and yet all of that didn't matter when you got born again. Why would it matter about any other prayer being answered? Yeah, but in this search never ends because being created in the image of God and his likeness, every human person is made to walk with God and to fellowship with Him, like Adam and Eve in the garden. People were created in God's righteousness to share His nature and to express His dignity. When sin entered the human race, righteousness was forfeited, and the human species has been lost and bewildered. To regain the sin of righteousness, the sense of righteousness is the reason for every religion in the earth. Non-Christians, as well as those in cultured worlds, when I say religious, I mean rituals and ceremonies without any life in them. God has provided the way for us to rediscover what was lost in the Garden of Eden. He has given us the power to become His children with all the privileges of being reborn into the royal family. The tormenting consciousness of sin, guilt, and unworthiness persist as long as we remain uninformed about God's plan of salvation. Christ gave His life and bore the penalty of your sin. You can receive God's righteousness and stand once again, I say right now, in His presence without a consciousness of sin, guilt, fear, or inferiority, that is what all humans crave. is to be right with God. And right with God is based 100% on believing what Jesus did was enough. Because of what you did for me, I can now stand right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Is that it? That's it. Now go have a good night. Have a good day tomorrow. And wake up tomorrow morning and quit trying to be so blessed holy. That's good preaching. But you'd be surprised at how many people have never heard basic, basic salvation. Salvation is not water baptism. It's not church attendance. Simply believe Jesus died on the cross. I had a lady ask me not too long ago. She goes, Well, oh, do you believe in baptism? I said, Well, the thief on the cross never got baptized. She went, Oh, yeah. What happened to him? I said, He went to heaven. He went, He did. I said, Yeah, he did. He's saved by grace through faith, not of himself. It's a gift. Oh. See, some, I think some people would be better if you didn't go to church at all. Well, they'll screw you up. I had a man one time look at me and says, you want to debate Sabbath? I said, I am the Sabbath. That messed him up. I said, I am the temple of God. I can't go to church. I am He said, you're crazy. I said, I'm saved. I said, you go back to keeping your Saturday for God. And you just help Jesus out all you can. How dumb and suck air. You're going to church on Saturday, help the cross. You have never helped God with nothing. You and I are the problem, not the answer. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to turn a witness in. I'm going to get you guys out sharing Jesus everywhere you go. Once, once you get a few people born again, it becomes the most ad- addictive thing you'll ever do in your life. Watch people come out of the dark. Just sit with them and share Jesus with them and watch them get born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, all things what, what percentage of the old things is gone? All of them. Tell the devil, it's all gone. I'm not a sinner. Sin has no dominion over me. Old things are passed away, everything is new. All these things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Boy, if we would quit. It would be a wonderful world if we just quit preaching people into hell so they can get saved. They already know. They already know they're not right. And when they get around you and you love them, and, and they don't know why you love them, and they're ugly, and you still love them. If you're married to someone who knows you and they still love you, keep them. <laughs> Kenny said, amen, brother, amen. Okay. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us I'm going to add the word to the Bible. Don't I'm not a Jehovah Witness. The same word of reconciliation. What same word? The one Jesus used when he walked the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Was he here to condemn? No. Okay. I'm going to finish reading this and i got one more scripture i got to read to you. I've read it to you before. But I'm going to read it again, because I have time. And Angela needs to hear it. For we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For him who knew no sin took all your sin that you might be handed Jesus' very righteousness in exchange for it. He exchanged your sin for his righteousness and said, Have a good life. Come on on now, John 3.16. Go to John 3.16. Put on screen. I'm just giving you a few scriptures because I want you. Is is that a good enough charge to to get you to a place to where you know enough gospel to look at a person and listen. You're you're going to meet about a dozen tomorrow, if not more. And I'm not saying you want to talk to every one of them, but I'm going to tell you this. God will open up the door. I'll guarantee you opened up doors because they'll walk up to you and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm just having a really bad day. They are begging for prayer. Just say, you are, are you having a bad day. Would you like to have some peace? Oh, God knows I'd love to have some peace. If I could just have peace for my children and my husband, I'd be happy. I said, well, let me just open up to Romans 4 right here and 5.1. And you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we just get rid of that troubled sea on the inside of you right now and let's give that to Jesus and get that under the blood. Let's pray. I'll guarantee you they'll pray with you. of the people I say praise, yeah, let's go. I've had a few say no. Not very many. Most people want help. Most people want help. Most people don't know how to help anybody. Well, you need to go to church with me. That ain't the answer. Well, come to hear my pastor. He'll tell you what you need to hear. For God so loved this world. That he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, will not perish but have Zoe life. Go to the next one. God did not send his son into this world to condemn it. You know he loves Hamas? That's hard on people. Well the Jews don't want to hear that. He's been appearing to them. And they've been getting born again. That's because they didn't know. God loves them. I know, I know that a lot of people wouldn't like to hear that, but it's true. God did not send his son to the world to damn the world. Well, the world through him might be saved. And he who believes in him is not damned. And he who does not believe is damned right now. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. That's the only reason right there. That's it. That's it. That's it. You can't get any simpler than that. If you just learn that one scripture, you can get everybody on the the earth saved. I'm going to tell you another story in a minute. Verse verse 19. And this is the damnation. Light came in the world and men said, I really don't want to hear it. Because their deeds were evil. Verse 20. And everyone practicing evil, they hate the light. That sounds like Washington, D.C. Does not come to the light, but a deed should be exposed. Verse 21. And he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds will be clearly seen, and they have been done in God. You You don't have to push this down people's throat. So I'm going to tell you one more story. When I was in Russia, I was there with Kevin and Leslie. Kevin and Leslie are and were Dr. Osborne's crusade directors. Now because of Dr. Teal Osborne, everybody on the earth knows who Osborne. Outside of America, everybody knows who T. L. Osborne is. People in America don't know who he is. But he started doing crusades of 50,000 to 300,000 in 1950 in Ponce, Puerto Rico, and Jamaica. And they did a monthly up until just a few years ago. Him and Daisy. 70 nations 50 years, he has won more people to Jesus than all the rest of the evangelists on the earth combined. One man. That's pretty important, dude. That's what I was just reading his book just now. Well, because of T.L. Osborne, Kevin and Leslie are there, and they think that anybody with Kevin and Leslie must be important. That would be me. So they had a slot on Thursday night to preach in a conference in Russia. Big church full of American big dogs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, the people think they're big dogs. Every night, they'd have an American preacher. Every morning and every afternoon, they'd have a preacher from America. Three to eight people got saved every service in a room full of 500 people I was there and I looked at the guy that went from our church and I said tonight you will see 500 people get saved and he said how are you going to do that I said I'm not the gospel is let me, let me let me throw them under the bus a minute. We need to quit preaching success garbage on Christian television. The church is not getting stronger because because the, the church still doesn't know the gospel. When, when you get an hour and you get eight people born again, you're not saying something. So I looked at this guy that went with us and I said, "Let me 500 people get saved tonight." I got up and preached on Luke 16, "The rich man in hell," and how what he wanted was a drop of the life of God on his tongue. What drop? of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 500 sinners ran to the altar and got born again and one of the big dog American preachers looked and said who is he and I heard him and I turned to him and I said you asked the wrong question it's not who I am you should have said What did he say? The gospel is the power of God. And and we're sadly lacking being able to even share it. Even most Christians. I'm going to give you a job tonight. Learn it. You've learned everything else that's worthless. Maybe I ought to start a college and charge you twenty dollars or thirty dollars or $40,000 to teach you this so you'll feel like you're getting something. The textbook won't be out of date when I'm finished. Around you right now are people. I want you to start asking the Lord. I don't, I'm not trying to put you in a position to, they're going to ask you questions you don't know. Don't worry about it. You just learned John 3, 16 through 20. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10. Pop it on the screen, Romans 10, 9, 10. I just, just pop it on the screen. That's all the ammo you need. Someone said, which bullet's best for killing deer? The one you can hit him with. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know people have read that too and just looked at me and went, wow. No one ever told me. You know me people look at me and go, I've never heard what you just said. And I'm talking about people who go to church. I've never heard anybody say what you just said to me. By faith in Jesus alone, you could be made the very righteousness of God. That's quite an assignment, isn't it? But see, I actually enjoy sitting down with sinners better than I do preaching in this church. And they're so hungry. And they'll ask you a myriad of questions. Father God, I wanna say thank you tonight. I did everything I could to take something I think is very simple. You washed feet. You came in this earth and you served. And then you told us that we should be like that. I pray that everywhere we go, we would understand that maybe someone we're sitting with just needs to have their feet washed. Maybe they just need someone to give them some truth. Maybe they just need the word of God. Maybe they just need some prayer. I'm asking that everybody in this room, it is my desire that everybody in this church learn how to share the basic gospel Now maybe they will never turn out to be where they preach to 500 people in Russia they may not it's amazing how many people like Philip went down the city of Samaria and then he got in a chariot with one guy and got him born again just one guy in a chariot that went back to Ethiopia and most likely took the gospel to a nation we cannot sit back and put a value on whether it was one or a hundred because you love every person I think the need for the church your church, your your body to be armed with the gospel is the greatest need in the earth today I believe it would start a little revolution if churches and people got armed with the Word of God and started going out and setting the captives free everywhere they go. I pray for that here in this church. I pray for that over everybody in the room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you something. Don't allow fear to hinder you. Anytime you do something you've never done before, you're like, you're going to be faced with, I've never done this before. Well, you'll never get good at anything unless you try it. Remember, my dad bought me or got me a bicycle one time. I wrecked it 50 times, but I got back on it again. I just kept getting back on that bike until I got to where that wobbling little thing would do what I wanted it to do. And later, I became a real good bike rider. But you have the sense a kid has. Just get back on the bike again. Just get back on it. Your family members aren't going to be bothered by how wobbly you are talking. Begin. Amen. God bless all of y'all. It is- we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at com. from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages.